anybody got in here did not have, get a copy of the outline? Anybody at all? And I want to make sure everybody's got a copy. We've been going through this series on Wednesday night on uh, rightly dividing the word of truth. And we're going to continue that tonight. And it's important that we understand the word of God as God has given it to us. And so we're, as we continue tonight, I've entitled tonight's Bible study, uh, Comprehending and Continuing Bible Doctrine. And the reason I, I use those two words, you'll see in just a minute, is because we're going to cover another two aspects tonight of Bible doctrine. Now, by way of introduction, let me just share with you, of course, we, we have been talking about Bible doctrine how that what it is, is it's teaching of the Word of God that's imparted, but it's done by an authoritative source. In other words, uh, one of the things I love about being a, uh, a preacher of the gospel is that when I, and I, I try my best when I'm up in that pulpit or when I'm teaching in this church or even sharing something with somebody, I try to make sure that I anchor myself to the Word of God. In other words, uh, I realize that I don't have much to give to people, but God's Word does. And as I share the Word of God, sometimes people don't like something that I say, but here's the thing, if it's something that I said that's not in the Bible, then I need, if I'm wrong, I need to apologize for that. But understand that the authority that I have comes from the Word of God, and the same is true in your life. That God's given us His Word, and it is authoritative, it is our authority. By the way, it's our authority for all of our faith and all of our practice. When, when I became a Christian and I started to go to church, the true church, and, and, and I realized that a true church is a church that does what the Bible says. We practice what the Bible teaches. So that's why doctrine is so very important. It, we, we've used this verse quite a few times over the past few weeks, 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's not in your notes. You should know this one, all right? You're all looking down. You should know this verse by now, all right? We should be able to quote this verse. But all scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. See, if a, if a person like me can remember that, all of you can remember that verse. But see, that's the importance of doctrine is, Doctrine is profitable. It's something good for our lives. And we are, as the Bible instructs us, we are to be careful about what we believe and we ought to be careful about what we present as truth. There's a lot, listen, there's a lot of pastors in churches that get up in their pulpits and present things as it is the truth, yet it's not in the Word of God. Some of you have probably been in churches where somebody taught you something, and, and, and whether it was a teacher or a preacher, and, and you, you believe that because you heard it from the source that you heard it from, and then, and then later on you realize that's not in the Bible, or that's not what the Bible says. And again, the Word of God tells us that we need to study and show ourselves approved, and as we get into the Word of God, we need to make sure that what we're hearing, what we're learning is the Word of God. And so as we think about this tonight, we've got to be careful. Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.16, and again, this isn't in your notes, but listen to this verse. He said, take heed unto thyself 
and unto the doctrine continue in them. He told Timothy, for in doing this, continuing in the doctrine and taking heed unto yourself, he says, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. So doctrine is so important, knowing what we believe. And as we think about doctrine, we've been going through this last four or five weeks, we've covered some important aspects about Bible doctrine. And here's what we have found so far is this thought is, when you think of Bible doctrine, Bible doctrine basically includes or incorporates what we call the whole counsel of God. Have you noticed that Bible doctrine is not confined to the New Testament of the Bible, and it's not confined in only the Old Testament of the Bible, that the, the whole Bible contains the doctrine of the Word of God. God's given us doctrine throughout His Word, and we are to know the doctrines of the Word of God. Now, what we've been covering so far in these past couple weeks are what sometimes I refer to as the pillars of Bible doctrine. You all know what a pillar is. They hold up, maybe it's a porch, maybe a building. Remember how Samson in the last act of his life got a hold of the pillars and he began with the strength that he had. God gave him the power and he brought the whole house down, all right? And so when you think about your life as a Christian, our lives need to be built on these pillars of Bible doctrine. Now, this is just review, so I'm going to go through it kind of quickly here tonight. But the first week we talked about revelation, okay? And notice here that revelation, again, by way of review, is communicating unknown truth to man by God. Remember, remember we talked about Moses. He wrote the first five books of the Old Testament. Moses wasn't there on the days of creation, right? And so God revealed what, what he was to write down. So when you think about this, listen, without God sharing, without God revealing, without God making that manifest, there's no way that man would have known what to write. Remember, these aren't man's words, they're God's words. And so we talked about the first pillar is revelation. The second one that we talked about was inspiration. And remember we told that as God revealed truth to the prophets, to the apostles, what did they do? They wrote it down, right? So inspiration is recording truth. See, what you hold in your hand tonight is a copy of God's Word. Now, it was done digitally, all right? It was done with a computer, whatever it may be. It, it, again, it was, it's a little different today than it was back then, but they would write down the Word of God. One of the things I've always enjoyed studying, and, and again, there's a lot of great things in the Bible. I love to study some of the manners and, and, and some of the things behind, uh, especially the Old Testament. There's a lot of great things. One of, the, one of the neatest stories I ever read was when the Old Testament scribes, when they would be writing under inspiration the words of God, as they wrote, now think about this, this true story, as they wrote, they would use maybe like a quill or something like that, as they wrote, as they were writing along, when they got to the name of God, they would get up from their seat and they would lay down their pen and they would go over to like a laver, a kind of, a, a kind of a, what we would almost call like a bird bath kind of thing nowadays, and they would take off their outer robe and they would wash their hands 
and then they would put their robe back on. They would walk back over, sit down, pick up the pen, and write the name of God. And when they finished, they would lay down the pen. They would get up. They would walk back over to that same place, take off their robe, wash their hands again, put the robe back on, come back over, pick up the pen, and start writing again. Now think about how some of the books in the Bible, especially the Old Testament, how many times you see the name God. You can imagine that every time they did that, they were thinking about the reverence was there, the inspiration of God, all right? So you have God revealing revelation, you have then inspiration, the recording, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. The third pillar we talked about last week was canonization, one that maybe been a little bit newer to some of you. We talked about the word canon means rule. And we talked about how, how it was the compiling of the Word of God, the truth of the Word of God. How did we get, how many books are in our Bible? 66, but yet it's one book. Now you think about this, how many persons are there of the Godhead? Three, right? And yet one God. So we have 66 books. We have an Old Testament, New Testament. We talked about that last week. So we have revelation, inspiration, canonization. Now tonight we're going to look at the last two of those pillars. That's why I use the word comprehending and continuing Bible doctrine. All right. So pillar number four, write it down, is the illumination of Bible doctrine, God's word. The illumination. Okay. Now, again, there's a lot of people today, this enlightened movement and all this stuff that's going on, a lot of that is, is really not of God. It's more hocus-pocus type stuff. But we're talking about God's Word tonight. We're talking about the illumination of the Word of God. See, illumination is when God, listen, through the Holy Spirit, who is God, helps man to understand that which He has revealed and He's recorded. See, God gave his word, and, it's, and what we need to understand is God gave his word so that we can understand it. See, God, God didn't give us a book that, that we just look at it and go, well, I don't get it. Now, how many of you are like me, before you got saved, you might have tried to read the Bible, but you got nothing out of it, right? You know, some of you are like, Pastor, I'm saved, and I, I still don't get a whole lot out of my Bible, all right? And, and, and the truth is, look, there's, there's, there's many days where I'm reading and I'm like, I'm sitting there reading my Bible. I'm looking down and, I'm, and I look at the Lord like, huh? You know, I mean, anybody ever done like me, read the book of Revelation and you're like, what in the world? You know, uh, sometimes you get into certain portions of Ezekiel, uh, other places in the Bible, and you're like, you're looking at it, trying to figure it out. And so, so how can we understand it? Look, uh, there, there are sources you can go to today, and so, certainly uh, with the internet and all that that's out there, I mean, you can go to all kinds of sources. Before the internet came around, you had all kinds of commentaries. You know what commentaries are? Somebody that took the time to study the Word of God, and they put it, they wrote it down, they typed it out, they put it in a book, and they, and, and they published it, and you're reading what they studied, what they found, what maybe the Holy Spirit gave to them. And folks, listen, I'm going to tell you something. You're going to learn a whole lot more when you pick up the shovel and you start to dig in the Word of God because it's going to become real to you while you're doing that. The only thing you need is God's Word and His Holy Spirit. That's what you need. 
I need that every week as I study for the messages that God would have me to get up and teach and preach on. So illumination is, is where the Holy Spirit of God helps us to understand the Word of God. Look at John 14, 26. Somebody want to read that verse, John 14, 26? Yeah, he's, a, he's the comforter, and he's going to teach you how many things? All things. Look, there's, there's not a better teacher than the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit's going to teach you, help you understand. Somebody want to read John 16, 13? Anybody? Lily? Yeah, so, he, so he's going to guide you, here it is again, into all truth. Look, do you, how many of you are a child of God tonight? Do you think God is going to guide his child, you, in the wrong direction? No, he's given you his spirit. The Bible says he dwells in you when you got saved. At the moment you got saved, the Holy Spirit of God dwells in you now, and the Holy Spirit is guiding you into all what? Truth. The Holy Spirit's guiding you in the, in the truth. Notice the Bible says there that he's, he's not going to go out on his own and do what he wants. He is connected to God the Son, God the, whole, God the Father. All three of them are helping us to understand what the truth is. And when you talk about truth, that's a word that's synonymous with Bible doctrine. What we believe, what the Word of God teaches. In other words, you look at these verses and you understand illumination. It's God's Holy Spirit helping us, watch this, to understand the Word of God, but then to apply. See, it's one thing to, to be a hearer of the Word, okay? But what does the Bible say? But be a doer. So, okay, I heard that. I understand it. Now, what do I need to do? I need to apply that to my life to help me to live. Look, you hear something in the, in the Word of God, or you hear something in a church service, and the Holy Spirit, He shows that to you. He helps you to understand it. Sometimes my wife will get something, and I won't get it. Now, again, I'm not the sharpest tack in the drawer, you know, but, but there are times where somebody might understand something. God might by, uh, help this person understand something that this person didn't get, but the whole, the whole bottom line is this, that when the Holy Spirit helps us to understand it, we've got to apply the truth of God's Word to our own personal walk. Look in your notes here, 1 John 2.27. Look at these words. But the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you, and ye need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is true, and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. In other words, the Holy Spirit is helping us. Now, listen, the, the important thing is, is that as we hear truth, he's guiding us into all truth. You see the importance there of the word of God. Look what Psalm 119, one, what is it, 130 says there, the entrance of thy what? Words. Now watch this, God's word comes into your life, into your heart. 
the entrance of the Word of God. This is why it's important that you're in your Bible, because the entrance of thy words giveth what? Giveth light, and notice it, giveth understanding unto the simple. So as we read the Word of God, here you are tomorrow morning, you get up, you get your, well, most of you are probably going to get your coffee, and, and maybe, a, maybe, maybe a, a Danish or whatever it is, and you're going to open your Bible up, okay? Now, if it, look, a lot of us sometimes, we open our Bible, what we do is we just we put our, our eyes on the page, but <clears throat> we're really not asking God by His Holy Spirit to help us to understand. I've known a lot of people, here's what they'll do is, and I kind of do this myself, is, is I'll read until God gives me something. A lot of times it might it might be in a verse it might be it might be a whole chapter it might be longer than that but what I want to do is I want to get something from my Bible I want to understand it so notice the question here in your outline if we sit down with our Bible how do we prepare our hearts to understand God's Word in other words we want to be illuminated by the Holy Spirit of God we want to understand the Word of God and not only understand it but apply it to our daily living. So look at these three things, and they would do us well to do this as we study the Word of God. Number one, we must express an attitude of humble faith. How many of you believe the Bible is the Word of God? Do you believe every word is God's Word? So as you're reading it, look here. If God says it, you have to believe it. Whether it doesn't make sense to you or not, in humble faith, I have to take God at his word. So as I read it, that's going to help me understand it. Look at number two. We must obey the light we've already been given. Now, here's the thing is, is what light have you been given? How many of you have been saved for uh, 10 years or more? Okay, you've received a lot of light. Some of you have been saved a lot longer than that. In other words, when you, when you talk about the light of the word of God, the entrance of thy words giveth light. So that means every time you get in the word of God, every time you read the Bible and God shows you something, guess what? You're responsible for that light. You're responsible for every, to whom much is given, much is required. See, God holds us accountable for the light that we have. You can't claim ignorance, folks. If God has given you light and he's shown something to you and you don't do it, guess what? That's rebellion. That's sin. To him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, what? To him it is sin. It's getting awful quiet in here, all right? So, so when you think about this, when we think about understanding God's word, we've got to have an attitude of humble faith. Secondly, we have to obey the light that's already been given to us. See, people say, well, I just wish I knew more about the Word of God. What are you doing with what you do have? So we've got to obey it. Look at the third thing. If we want to understand God's Word, we must meditate on the light that we've already received. Do you know what it means to meditate? Does anybody know what the word really means? Anybody ever been on a farm and watched a cow? Yeah, what do they do? They chew the cud, right? They, it sounds pretty gross, but they'll chew on something and they'll swallow it and then they'll bring it back up and, and chew on it some more and then swallow it again. 
they just keep doing that. That's part of the digestive process. You know what you need to do with the Word of God? You just need to keep chewing on it. You know, sometimes you get a tough piece of meat, and you just got to keep working on it, don't you? And, and God says, look, I want you to meditate. I want you to think about it. That's why, I, look, so I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. Some of you probably read your Bible in the morning, and some of you probably read your Bible at night. If I read my Bible at night, I'd get this much out of it because I'm not a night person. By the way, I like reading my Bible early in the day because if I read it early in the day, then all day long I can think about what I read. A lot of times I'll read something, and what I read that day, it's amazing how many times it comes into play throughout the day. Has that ever happened to anybody else? Maybe a verse or a thought or something like that. And that's, that's what we got to do. So, so when you think about illumination, all right, the Holy Spirit is going to guide us. He's going to show us. But notice, secondly tonight, the preservation of God's Word. This would be the fifth pillar of the, of the Word of God. Bible doctrine is we've got revelation, we've got inspiration, we've got canonization, we've got illumination, and now we've got preservation. Now, what is preservation? It's the extending of God's truth to all generations. Again, I asked you earlier, do you have God's word in your hand? And you said, yes, I do. That means that God has extended his word to you. And you know what? I'm confident because of what God's word says that generations after us will still have God's word. Why? Because God's promised that. See, that's what preservation is all about. It's the care and transmission of the Word of God. That's been left to our care and keeping. That's why, that's why Pastor uh, is so adamant about the Word of God. That's why God put on my heart this theme this year for the cause of Christ. Listen, when you talk about the cause of Christ, you're talking about Bible doctrine. When, you th- when, you, when God put this on my heart about Wednesday night studying the Bible, rightly dividing the Word of God, it's because, look, if we don't guard and care for the truth, guess what's going to happen? There will be as much truth in this world next week, next year, uh, uh, five years from now, as there is in public schools today. How much Bible's in the public schools right now? Nothing. And that's what's going to happen if we don't care for Bible doctrine, if we don't realize that God wants us to transmit the Word of God. The reason preservation is a Bible doctrine is because preservation of the Word of God is connected to a believer's responsibility to spread the truth. How can we spread the truth if we don't have it, right? But God has preserved it to our generation. So let me show you in the Bible tonight how we see, first of all, preservation in the Old Testament. Now, this may be a little bit of a review, but notice, first of all, there's three ways that God preserved his word in the Old Testament. The first one is through the priest. The Bible says in Nehemiah 8 9, it talks about Ezra the priest, the scribe, how that when the people heard the words of the law. See, God used the priest in the Old Testament to preserve his word. Secondly, he used uh, the kings to preserve his word. And the Bible says there in Deuteronomy 17, 18, when he sitteth upon the throne of his kingdom, that he shall write him a copy of this law in a book and of that which is before the priest, the Levite. So here's, here's God entrusting even those that were on the throne 
to preserve his word. And then the third uh, group of people that God used to preserve his word in the Old Testament was the fathers. And we, we t we've talked about this, Deuteronomy 6, 7, when thou uh, teach thy children, uh, when thou talkest of them, when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, when thou risest up. So in the Old Testament, God used three means to preserve his word, and he did that through the priests, the kings, and the fathers. Now, you know what's interesting is God, listen to this, God has established three institutions in the word of God. Two of them he established in the book of Genesis, and one of them he established in the New Testament. The first institution God established, anybody know what it was? It was the family, the home. Anybody know what the second institution was? Government. And the third one is the easiest one, the church. And when you look at how God, listen, this is the Old Testament of our Bible. Remember, the Bible's like this, okay? So here you're looking at how did God preserve his word in the Old Testament. He did it through priests, he did it through the kings, and he did it through fathers. Well, think about what those three represent. Fathers represent what? the home. And you look at the other two that are mentioned here, uh, kings. What would kings represent? Government. And then the priests would represent the church. Now again, we're talking Old Testament times versus New Testament times, but you can clearly see here that it's the same emphasis that God has given in the Old Testament. God preserved his word. God knew exactly what he was doing and he knew the means by which he was going to preserve his word. Now, that was Old Testament. Look at what we see also in our Bibles is the preservation of God's word in the New Testament. Well, how is God preserving his word in the New Testament? Well, first of all, the Bible tells us in John 17, 17, God's word is what? Truth. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. God's word is truth. So notice, God's preserving his word through truth. But secondly, in this New Testament era, God is preserving his word. Notice here that he's doing it through the church. And the Bible mentions in 1 Timothy 3.15 that the church is the pillar, there it is again, and the ground of the truth. See, actually, a lot of times people, come, it breaks my heart when I hear somebody come in, the, in, in our church and, and, and they'll say to me after church, Man, I've been to all kinds of churches around here, but I never hear any Bible when I go to those churches. And yet, what does the Bible say? That it's the, the church should be the pillar and the ground of the truth. If there's one thing you should hear when you come to church, it should be the truth. Jesus said that you shall hear the truth, and the truth shall make you what? You know why people are, are still bound in sin? Because they're not hearing any truth. We, we need to understand, the church should be built upon the truth of the word of God. God's preserving his word through the church, the pillar and ground of the truth. Notice thirdly, that the church received God's word directly. This is another way that God is preserving his word in the New Testament time that we're living in. Look at John 17, 8. This is the Lord Jesus. Listen to what he says here in this verse. For I have given unto them, he's talking about the church, his followers, he says, I've given unto them the what? The words which thou gavest me. Do you see the picture here? God the Father's giving God the Son while he was on this earth. He gave him the words to say to give to the church, the early church. And he says, and they have received them. 
and have known surely that I have come from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. Jesus says, look, I've given them your words, Father. See, God's word in the New Testament is being preserved because it was given directly to the church. Look at number four. The Bible likens us to saints. When we get saved, we become a child of God, and the saints in the New Testament are charged to contend for the faith. That's what Jude writes in verse number three. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. You know what that means? God has given us his doctrine. It was delivered unto us. And you hold it in your hand tonight, and as saints of God, we are to contend for it. We're not to, we're not to cower. We're not to, we're, we're not to make concessions with it. We are to, to hold the doctrines of the Word of God as God has given them to us. We are responsible to pass along to the next generation the doctrines of the Word of God. You want to hear something, and somebody sent this to me, and I was reading it, I thought I'd share it tonight. Maybe it'll help you to understand. How many of you, you've heard, like maybe you did when you were young, you prayed the Lord's Prayer, right? Here's a little bit of a different take on the Lord's Prayer. Listen to this. And by the way, these aren't my words. Now I, now I sit me down in school where praying is against the rules. For this great nation under God finds mention of him very odd. If scripture now the class recites, it violates the Bill of Rights. And any time my head I bow becomes a federal matter now. Our hair can be purple, orange, or green. That's no offense. It's a freedom scene. The law is specific. The law is precise. Prayers spoken aloud are a serious vice. For praying in a public hall might offend someone with no faith at all. In silence alone we must meditate. God's name is prohibited by the state. We're allowed to cuss and dress like freaks and pierce our noses, tongues, and cheeks. They've outlawed guns, but first the Bible, to quote the good book, makes me liable. We can elect a pregnant senior queen and the unwed daddy our senior king. It's inappropriate to teach right from wrong. We're taught that such judgments do not belong. We can get our contraceptives and birth controls, study witchcraft, vampires, and totem poles, but the Ten Commandments are not allowed. No word of God must reach this crowd. It's scary here, I must confess. When chaos reigns, the school's a mess. So Lord, this silent plea I make, should I be shot, my soul please take. Say, so where'd that come from? A 15-year-old student wrote that as an assignment from his school in Minnesota. It's amazing, folks. You say, Pastor, why would you read that? Because there is a generation that doesn't need our sympathy. They need the Word of God. They need the truth of the Word of God. And we are to be earnestly contending 
for the faith, passing it on to that generation that it has been taken from already. Notice number five, how else is God preserving his word in the New Testament time? Notice, as the saints of God, we are instructed to teach what has been preserved by God. The Bible says as part of the Great Commission, teaching them to observe whatsoever that I have commanded unto you. Hey, listen, that's why we do discipleship here. That's why we take the time to sit down with somebody and try to help them understand because God's given us that responsibility. He's instructed us to teach what has been preserved. Look at number six, the emphasis for preserving the New Testament has been relegated by God to New Testament churches. You know why? Churches start churches. Remember, a church is not a building. It's the people of God. We have a responsibility to help others that are a part of the church. Hey, listen, you study the book of Acts. Where do you find Paul and Silas in Acts 13? They were in the church where? The church in Antioch. They were at the church in Antioch. The Holy Spirit of God separated Paul and Barnabas for the work whereunto he had called them. What did Paul and Barnabas do? They went out and won people to Christ and started what? Churches. They went out and started church. They were in a church and they went out and started churches. We have a responsibility. God has preserved his word. Why? Because it is God's will that other churches would be started so that the gospel, the good news, the doctrines of the word of God will go to people that have never heard the truth before. Hey, I'm glad that the Florences are in Papua New Guinea because that means that they are taking the truth, the doctrines of the word of God from their church in the United States of America, and God sent them around the world to Papua New Guinea so that those people can hear the truth and they could be a part of a true church where they can hear the doctrines of the Word of God. And then notice number seven, how else is God preserving His Word and the doctrines? Notice this, if the church, and this is what the Bible teaches, if the church will always be here. Say, Pastor, why do you say it that way? Well, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Is that what the Bible says? Matthew 16, 18. So if the church is always going to be here until the Lord comes back, then we must always have the word of God. God's preserving it to to the next generation. Hey, folks, look at Proverbs 30 and verse 5. The Bible says every word of God is what? Pure. Pure. Now watch this. This is how important we understand this. He says, he is a shield unto them that hath put their trust in him. Add thou not unto his, what? Words. God says, look, don't add one thing to what I've given to you, lest he reprove thee, and that thou be found a liar. By the way, I gave you some other references there from the book of Deuteronomy and the book of Revelation that say the exact same thing in that verse in Proverbs chapter 30. Is It's important for us to understand that God has preserved His word. Our words don't matter, folks. What matters is what thus saith the Lord. God has preserved His word. And today, you know what we have according to the word of God? We have a more sure word is what God's given to us a word that has been tested, a word that has been tried, that is true, it's trustworthy. Why do we need to know about preservation? Listen, here's the whole purpose of preservation, is for propagation. What does propagation mean? 
the spreading of the Word of God, getting it out, not only in our community, but around the world. That's why, that's why God's given us His Word, so that we can, you know, Sunday uh, morning I was talking about where Amos said, is the seed still in the barn? That's the same thing that God's talking about here in Proverbs 30 is that, look, what good is God's Word if we don't give it out? God has preserved it so that we would share it. And, and as we think about this, look, sometimes we want to sit around and we want to argue over certain uh, translations of the Bible, certain texts from the Word of God, maybe a certain pet doctrine that, that maybe we just want to argue with somebody about all the time. But folks, listen, God has given us His Word. He's preserved it to our generation for two reasons. One is so that we'll live it, and the second is that we'll spread it. In other words, give it out. God has preserved His Word. I hope you understand how important the doctrine of the Word of God is. And listen, you hold it in your hand for a reason. God's kept it to your generation so that you then can share it with the next generation, with the next person. See, that's the whole importance of this fifth pillar is that we understand God has extended His Word and He's given us His Holy Spirit so that we can understand it and then we can apply it to our lives. How many of you are thankful for the ministry of the Holy Spirit of God, right? Helping us to understand the Word of God. And listen, I've given you some additional verses there. If you want to take some time and look at some of those other verses on preservation, then by the way, there's many more than that. But these are some that I've just held to over the years. If somebody asked me about the preservation of the Word of God. But listen, folks. We have, we have a miraculous book called The Word of God, and I hope you understand how very important it is that we, we hold to the teachings of the Word of God and we don't change them, but we spread it out, we give it out liberally, and God will bless His Word. All right, let's pray. Lord, thank You for this evening. Thank You for the doctrines of the Word of God. Pray that You'd bless and use us. Lord, as You've given us truth, help us to be guardians of it. Help us to be uh, those that would share it everywhere we go. God, that you would use your word and then help your Holy Spirit to help us, Lord, to understand what we need to. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.